Hi, Journey. How y'all doing today? Really, really good to see every one of you, especially if you're our guest. We're really, really honored to have you here today. We get the privilege of commissioning some Journey Church partners today, so if that's you, come on down. Don't be shy. Just take the stairs and come join me up here on the stage if you would. And uh, this partnership deal is Journey's take on membership, uh, but it's more descriptive of the kinds of things that we want to be about as a church family. And this whole concept of partnership, the premise of it is found in Philippians chapter 1, verse 5. This is Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, right? For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until... Now, hi. How's it going? Great to see all of you. Yeah, scrunching, scrunching real close. Yeah, get, get cozy like you love each other, right? So, for you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until... Now, that's the premise of this whole partnership deal, right? So you being Journey Church partners, it isn't about like privileged special parking places at the commons or seats with your names engraved upon them, but it's about partnership in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ from the time you first heard about it until, well, Jesus comes back, really. And these friends are here today to declare that they're in. They're going to be about that with everything in them. Their words, their actions, their service, their resources, their whole lives. And so we say way to go to you for committing to partnership. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads, and let's pray. Commission these new partners. God in heaven really astounds us that since the beginning of time, you've been using people to roll out and bring your kingdom to bear. And while I'm sure, God, on more than one occasion that plan has given you pause, uh, you've chosen and we're delighted that you've chosen to continue to use us as part of your plan to tell your redemptive story and reveal your kingdom right here on planet Earth. And so here's some folks today who are saying we're in on that. We want to be in on the partnership of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we're gonna give our everything to that end, our time, our talent, our treasure, and we're gonna be about that with every waking moment, God. Pray that your hedge of protection would be around these, their families, Jesus, as they continue to live more and more into your mission here on planet Earth. You are the best. We commit these to you, Jesus, and we pray this in your name, and everyone agreed together and said, amen. We give these brand new partners a warm round of applause. Way to go. Way to go. Thank you very, very much. Good job, guys. These past five weeks, we've been measuring up to the 80s, which is really our creative spin, helping us bring clarity on some things that classify as a win for our Journey Church family. And it's certainly our hope that we would know these, that these wins would absolutely be a part of our vocabulary. But more than that, what's really a win is when we together as the Journey Church family live into these things that we call wins day by day. These wins are certainly invitational to all of us. We're all invited to order our lives around them, but they're also very, very much a challenge for us. A reasonable question to ask is, how am I doing at living these mission measures out all the time? And if the answer is ever not very well, then the question becomes, Lord, what are you inviting me to reorder about my life so that I am living these out? So with that in mind, we're six weeks into this series. Now let's briefly review Journey's mission measures. This is a test of sorts. The first one was, and I'll give you a hint, has to do with a line. The first mission measure was Cross the line, that's exactly right. Cross the line of faith in Jesus Christ. 
the second one has to do with drums. You would get the rhythm, that's exactly right, hearing and responding to God, right? God speaks, we respond in obedience to what he says. The third one has to do with coaches. Do you remember this one? Coach up coaches, right? That means all of us, not just the super Christians, right, who we have this perception of, but all of us are charged by God to be disciples who makes disciples all the time. Fourth one, give you a hint on this one. Don't put it up there yet. Fourth one, oh. (laughs) Yeah. All right, put it back up. They saw it. It's a stinky one, right? We peel the onion. We allow God to deal with the layers of junk in our lives. And then the fifth one, and uh, well, Jared ruined this one, right? Last week we talked about grabbing A. Yeah, exactly. Grabbing it like three of you were listening to Jared. (laughs) Grab a towel. I serve around the Journey Church community. Those are some of our wins. And see, the kingdom of God breaks into this world whenever we take the invitation and live into the challenge of walking those out. Walking all those out, whether it's in our homes with our families, in our school, in our places of work with our neighbors, wherever we go and whoever we're with. And we're going to wrap up with one last mission measure, one more win for the Journey Church family for the kingdom of God. But before I tell you what it is, you should listen to one of my all-time favorite songs from the 1980s. Listen to this. Them want to 
Do you notice that line, everybody's looking for something? Did you pick up on that? Everybody's looking for something. Well, it turns out that something is actually someone, capital S, someone. And his name is Jesus Christ. Because you see, every person on planet Earth is on a lifelong quest to connect with the God who made humanity his one thing. See, people, all people, you, me, every person on planet Earth, are Jesus Christ's one thing. And it doesn't matter, sick people, lonely people, wandering, depressed, hopeless people, people who are all tangled up in suffocating habits, destructive relationships. Jesus made them, he made you, he made me, us, his one thing. And any time that anyone who follows Jesus Christ tells the story, any time a follower of Jesus Christ displays and declares the gospel, any time you spend time with and serve people who are not yet Christ followers, any time you articulate God's redemptive story, you're helping people connect with the God who made them his one thing, the God they are searching for. And that, friends, is our primary purpose in this world, to tell the story of the God who loved people so much that he made them his one thing and tell that story in everything we do and everything we say. My friend Sandy Freed popped by my office a couple of weeks back and she said, Brian, I gotta tell you this story, one of the coolest things that God's ever allowed me to be a part of. And as I listened to her, like literally hanging on her every word, all I could think was, I want the entire Journey Church family to hear this story because this is what it's all about right here. This is what it's all about right here. So I invite you to watch and listen to Sandy's story. Hi, Journey. My name's Sandy. And before you hear this story, I'd like you to know that it's not a story about me or what happened to me or what I did, but it's a story about God and his love for us and the fact that he loves us so much that he pursues us continually so that we can spend eternity with him. So about a year ago, this May, um, we had some new neighbors move in about three houses down and across the street. And I can see their front yard and front uh, door from my window over my kitchen sink. So that'll become important later. Anyway, you know, when somebody new moves into your neighborhood, the nice neighborly thing to do is to go visit them, introduce yourself. And I was just busy and never got around to it. And uh, so thought about it, but in August, the the Lord kind of really impressed me. You better get your act together and get over there and meet these people. So I did. I went out, purchased some flowers, and went over to, to meet them. And what I found out was that they were had just been moved there by their family because the husband had just been diagnosed with and had surgery for a malignant brain tumor. Uh, he was still up and about and in a walker. She was also in a walker, and um, so we just visited for a while, found out that he was a very athletic man who loved to ski and be in the outdoors, and she too was very active, and uh, so this was a big blow to them. We kind of talked during the, the fall, waved, you know, did the friendly neighbor thing, and later in the fall, uh, I saw the fire engine and the ambulance come and they were gone for a little bit and then back. But then there were caregivers coming and going 24 seven. So when it started snowing, 
I noticed that nobody was showing up to take care of the snow on their driveway or front walks and thought that was kind of uh, important to have done since there was care there were caregivers coming and going and they needed to get out and stuff so decided that you know I could do that so I went over with my snowblower and started taking care of their driveway uh, about the third time I did it and got home there was a knock at my door and when I opened it there was one of the caregivers with a loaf of bread uh, from Mrs. M and a thank you note addressed to her snow angel so I became dubbed the snow angel so through the winter I continued to keep the the walks clear and just really enjoyed doing this for them she at one point said well my kids are gonna buy a snowblower so we can take care of this and I said no you know just let me do this I, I'd love to do this for you probably early February I was working on the uh, driveway and the caregiver came out and I asked how things were going and he said not so good he said they've called all the family to come and they're really kind of worried that they won't get here before he passes away so um, you know uh, thought to myself well, I should get over but didn't again uh, but the days came and went and then the weeks came and went and time kept marching on and the caregivers kept coming and going and so I you know he was still with us and uh, so that last blizzard we had first of March when it was 10 below and blowing sideways it was a Saturday I went out and did half of my driveway and then noticed that it was really drifting in their driveway so I went over and uh, started working in their driveway and uh, the Sun came out and said we would really love to have you come in and warm up and have something hot to drink with us so I said I'd love to do that so but let me finish the driveway so I did and uh, went in and at this point Mr. M is in a hospital bed in the living room in a coma and uh, the son was sitting there holding his hand Mrs. M's in the kitchen um, and I and I just my heart went out and I said oh I'm so sorry this is so hard and they said yeah and I said you know sometimes they say that when a person has something that's unfinished in their lives they can't let go and uh, or if there's something peace that needs to be made with somebody and everybody in the room said that's what everybody's saying but we have tried everything we've talked to him about everything we can't think of a thing and we have said it's okay for you to let go but he just keeps struggling and hanging on so I went into the kitchen and, and I said to Mrs. M, may I pray for you? And she said, oh yes. And I said, right now? And she said, please, I wish you would. So I put my arm around her. She's standing in her walker and I prayed for her and asked God to give her strength to go through this. So I got my hot cider and, and uh, she went in and um, climbed in the bed on the other side of Mr. M and held his hand and I sat beside the bed with him and we visited probably for an hour just asking questions, asking them where they met and you know where they'd lived, things that they had done. So about, I, I think I was there for about an hour and then I left and went home to finish the other half of my driveway but for some reason my um, snowblower wouldn't work so that meant I had to do it by hand so um, 
You might be asking why my husband's not doing this, and that's just because it's health-wise, he, he can't he can't do that. So, and I love doing it anyway. I think if he, even if he could, I'd be doing it. So anyway, I start shoveling the stone. It's pretty heavy, um, and I'm working pretty hard, and it's still just freezing cold and blowing. And all of a sudden, it's like the Holy Spirit says to me, or the Lord says to me. Mr. M is afraid to let go because he doesn't know where he's going to spend eternity. And I thought, hmm, that makes sense, you know, and I kept shoveling. And then pretty soon, the next thought that came was, I want you to go over and pray with him. And I thought, right, Lord. First of all, they're going to think I'm crazy. Second of all, he's in a coma. You know, in my mind, knowing that the hearing's the last to go, but I still had to argue this point. So I thought, yeah, Lord, maybe in a day or two, I'll, I'll go over and, and do that, see how things are. So I kept doing the driveway, and the feeling kept pressing and pressing on me. I went in, um, warmed up, fixed some lunch, and it was just impossible to get away from this thought that this is what I was supposed to do. So I said, fine, Lord, I'll call him. So I called and said to Mrs. M, the thought has come to me that Mr. M might be afraid to let go because he doesn't know where he's going to spend eternity. And I don't know what you believe, but the Bible tells us that we can know where we're going to spend eternity. And if it's okay with you, I was wondering what you would think if I came over and, and talked to Mr. M about this. <laughs> to which she said, well, you might as well because we've tried everything else and nothing's worked. But you need to come before two because at two we're expecting company. So I said, okay, I'll, I'll be over. It was about 1.30. So I got dressed and now I'm terrified because I have no idea what I'm going to say. And so I asked my husband to pray and I prayed that God would just give me the right words to, to share because I had no idea what to say never done this before so I go over and I sit down and I put my arm my hand on Mr. M's arm and I said hi Mr. M my name's Sandy and I just want you to know that God loves you and that he loves you so much he wants you to spend eternity with him and he sent his son to redeem you so that you could spend eternity with him and all you have to do is tell him that you love him and that you accept Jesus to forgive your sins and to, to be the Lord of your life. And I said, it's not too late. He's there waiting with open arms. Sorry. Waiting with open arms for you because he loves you so much and you can walk into eternity and spend it with him. Ooh, sorry. <laughs> so at that point, I didn't know what to do next. I thought, okay, do I ask him to squeeze my hand if he heard me? And you know, I, I just didn't know, do I sit here and just be quiet for a while longer? So I decided it was like time to get up and leave. So I got up and went around the, and hugged Mrs. M and told her I could continue to pray for her. So I went home and went in and started, I sat down and started working on a Bible study I was doing. And about 20 minutes after two, I get a text from the caregiver. And she said, 
That must have been what Mr. M needed because at two o'clock, he very quietly and peacefully passed away. And at that point, I was just like, so in awe of God and what lengths he would go to to make sure somebody spent eternity with him. And the fact that I was just grateful that I'd been obedient. So um, it's just amazing to listen to the Lord and, and do what he asks you to do because you never know what will happen. Yeah, yeah. And Journey, that's what it's all about. Right? Like that's what it's all about, telling the story of God's redemption. And in order for Sandy to have been used by God the way she was, she had to get some things right. Did you notice? Right? Like first, she had to hear and respond to God's prompting to the nudge to go over and actually meet her neighbors, didn't she? Right? There she was in the comfort of her own home engaged in the very full life that Sandy and her husband Kelly live. And in the midst of all that, God broke in and prompted her to step out of her comfort zone, walk across the street, buy some flowers, and welcome her new neighbors to the neighborhood. And Sandy, acting on that prompting from the Lord, it was a step out into relatively foreign territory. She didn't have any idea what would happen when she knocked on her neighbor's front door the first time. She had no idea where that conversation might go or not go, if there would be any conversation at all. She didn't have any idea what their reaction to her would be, and yet she obeyed. She heard from God and responded in obedience to him. She was committed to seeing just what God might do. After that first meeting then, right, Sandy set about one of the most important pieces of telling the story that we could ever undertake, which is to display the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ by doing what? serving her new friends, right? And I'm convinced the more I live, the more convinced I am that followers of Jesus Christ, us, would and could create more gospel-sharing opportunities than we could even imagine if we just simply served our way into the lives of people all around us. See, opportunities to share the story of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they don't just fall out of the sky, Sure, sometimes God drops people into your lap who ask the perfect question or say the perfect thing. The conversation door swings wide open for you to engage them in a faith conversation, engage them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But I believe that's the exception to the rule. More often than not, gospel opportunity is going to be created by our serving our way into the lives of people, which is exactly and precisely what Sandy did. She paid attention. Huh, she looks out her kitchen window as she's standing at her sink and sees no one shoveling my friend's sidewalk. Nobody's shoveling their driveway. I'm gonna do something about that. And absolutely, it was a pain. It was inconvenient. It did require her to pay attention and be intentional. And yet it was so incredibly worth it, wasn't it? She just served her way into the life of her neighbors. She created a gospel opportunity through what she did on behalf of her neighbors. The last thing that Sandy did that just nailed the whole deal was that she could articulate clearly the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ. She could clearly artic articulate God's redemptive story. Now, I know Sandy said in the film that she had no idea what to say, right? But that's only partially true. She may not have ever been called on before to share God's redemptive story at the deathbed of a comatose man, but Sandy knows how to relay God's redemptive story 
story because she's been walking with God for years. She's honed the story of God's redemption for years of walking with God. I want you to set yourself into Sandy's shoes for a moment. Say someone in your life asks you the question, why are you so into God? Why are you so, it's a reasonable question, isn't it, for people who follow Jesus and claim to love God? Why are you so into God? How would you answer them? That's a really defining moment right there. How you answer that question is a really defining moment because you see, you can serve and you can serve and you can serve your way into the lives of all kinds of people in your life and then if you're not ready to answer that question, you'll botch the whole deal simply because you don't have God's redemptive story ready to tell. So if you think about serving as one of the ways you plant seeds of the gospel with people in your life, our being able to articulate God's redemptive story is what actually comes along and bears the fruit, if you will. Look with me at how one biblical character, famous biblical character, might have relayed God's redemptive story. This will be familiar to lots of you, Luke chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho. He made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus. Does that name ring any bells? And Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. What that sentence means is that he was a crook. He had illegally stolen people's money from them, claiming they owed taxes, and he had become very, very rich. Nobody liked Zacchaeus. He tried to get a look at Jesus, right? Here comes Jesus. The Jesus parade is coming to town. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. Poor guy, right? Short little guy. So here's what he did. He ran ahead. The rich crook ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road. For Jesus was going to pass. And you don't understand how incredibly unseemly this would have been. Right? The chief tax collector, the chief crook, to go running up a street would have, was absolutely out of character. And he climbs up this tree, right, even more out of character. And look, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, as if Jesus was looking for the guy. Quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down, took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy, right? Like the crook is going, God's coming to my house. I can't wait for this. But the people, they were displeased, the rest of the religious crowd. And so he's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. They grumbled. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor Lord. If I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Which, just so you know, there's no if here, right? It, like, absolutely, I've absolutely cheated people on their taxes, so I'm gonna give them back four times as much. And Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham, a true lover of God, a true pursuer of God. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Everything changed for Zacchaeus at that meal with Jesus Christ. He pledges that he's going to pay back every dollar, every penny that he had stolen and extorted from people, plus significant interest, and he's going to give half of his net worth to the poor. And so how do you think Zacchaeus would answer the question, why are you so into God? Which people were going to ask that question. Right? He's not manipulating them out of their money anymore. All of a sudden, his life has changed. It's different. People are going to go, what, what's gotten into you? Why are you so into? And it wouldn't be too hard to imagine Zacchaeus' story going something like this. Well, I fell into a pattern in which everything in my life 
was about money. Everything in my life was about money. Greed had such a hold on my life that there was no possible way that I could break free. It brought pain and damage to every single relationship I had. The whole world hated me. But then one day, I met Jesus Christ. And he set me free from the grip that greed had in my life. Jesus taught me how to care, really care about people, especially people out on the margins of society. And Jesus set me free from unhealthy habits and pointed me in a whole new direction. You can just imagine Zacchaeus telling that story of God's redemption in his own life, in his own words, again and again and again and again. And the way we tell God's redemptive story does not have to be any more complicated than that. Just take one key concept from your journey of faith with Jesus that you think really matters to people in your life and nail it down, firm it up. Be able to recount it in like 45 seconds to somebody who asks you the question, why are you so into God? 45 seconds. Keep it brief, keep it focused, and communicate it with a humble, honest heart. You and I, being able to tell God's redemptive story as effectively as we possibly can matters so much to me that I'm going to make you a very personal offer. No pressure. You can take it or leave it. This is my email address right there. And if you email me your story to that email address, I'll give you feedback on how to help you boil it down to what absolutely matters most. And here's a clue. Think like a hundred words or so. If you email me an email this long, I'm just going to reply back with two words, too long. All right? Skinny a hundred words or less. Boil it down to a single key concept. I was blank. Because of Jesus, now I'm blank. Now, if I get overwhelmed with requests for feedback, I'll ask some of our other pastors around here to help me do that for you. Take the offer, leave the offer, no pressure. It all lands here, really. Someday, if you're someone who's trusted Christ with your life, you're going to jettison this planet and you're going to head to heaven for all of eternity, right? And I don't know about you, but I personally can't wait to meet Sandy's neighbor, Mr. M, along with all of those who you had the chance to help cross the line of faith in Jesus Christ. And maybe for you, it's your mom or your dad or your neighbor or your boss or your teacher or your roommate or your mechanic, your hairdresser, your personal trainer. People from your life who you had the faith and you had the guts to step out in faith with and tell the story of God's redemptive plan for them. I can't wait to meet those people. People who you had the faith and the guts to tell about God's unshakable love for them, Jesus' unwavering sacrifice for them, and then invite them to make a decision to yield their heart and life to him. I can't wait to meet them. And I hope you can't either. Take your stuff and set it aside and I invite you to close your eyes and bow your heads if you would.
What's God's challenge to you today? What's God saying to you? Maybe just like Sandy, there's someone who God's prompting you to go meet, and maybe he's been prompting you for some time. You heard Sandy say it took her a few months. But who's God prompting you to step out in faith and go meet? Yeah, absolutely, we're all busy. Life is incredibly full, but just put the excuses down and say, okay, God, I get the hint. And go meet him. And maybe that's today or maybe that's tomorrow, but don't procrastinate it. Who's God prompting you to go meet? And then maybe just like Sandy's story, God's prompting some of us to serve our way into the life of somebody. And maybe we've got a person in our life who we've been watching and we've been looking on saying, man, that could really use some effort, some energy on my part. I could sure help them. And maybe you've excused yourself out of it a million different ways, a million different times because you said, man, I don't have time. I, I don't know how I would fit that into my very full schedule, full life. And maybe you just say to God, I'm in. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to go serve my way into the life of that person. You probably know right now who it is. And then maybe part of God's challenge to you today has to do with your story of God's redemption. When you think about that question, what if somebody asked you, why are you so into God? You don't have like a right there, tip of your brain, tip of your tongue answer. You could probably use a little work. Because like I said, you can serve and serve and serve and serve and serve. And you can be in all kinds of lives, but if somebody asks you that question and you're not ready, you're going to blow the whole deal. And that's not to load up pressure on us. It really is all about God. It's what he's doing, but he asks us to be ready. Right? The scripture says it really clearly. Always be ready to give an answer for the hope that lies within you. And I'll help you with your story piece. Send me an email. I'll help you tune it up and dial it in and you can set it into heart and mind so it's just right there tip of your tongue tongue tip of your brain what's God saying to you today and how are you going to respond and then for some of us telling the story of God's redemption starts with us first experiencing God's redemption. Right, like it, it's hard to talk about something you don't know anything about that you haven't experienced for yourself. And maybe there's some here today who need to step into Jesus' salvation and forgiveness once and for all. And maybe you've been putting that off and God's been pursuing you and pursuing you and you've been saying, yeah, some, someday... 
Why not today? Honestly, why not today? And if that's you, you can take the bold step of trusting him with your whole heart, your whole life by praying with me. I invite you, just say, Jesus, absolutely, I'm I'm a sinner. And I've been working really hard on the self-improvement plan, trying to get it right and trying to show you that I'm good enough. But Jesus, I, I can't. I need you. And so by faith, all the faith I can muster in this moment, I gratefully receive your gift of salvation. I need you. And I'm trusting you as my Savior and my Lord. And I thank you with everything in me for dying on the cross for my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for rising from the dead for me. Here's my everything. Here I am. And if you're someone who's stepping into the saving faith of Jesus Christ today, if you're someone who's crossing the line of faith in him, that's the biggest decision of your whole life. Nothing matters more. And it's such a big deal that we invite people to tell us when they make that decision. This is a private moment. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. You just got me and God looking on. If you prayed with me just then, would you be so bold as to slip your hand up and lock eyes with me and just let me agree with you. Yeah, way to go. Just let me agree with you in your decision to follow Jesus. You can do that, right? Yeah, right here, way to go. And yes, here and here, absolutely. Yeah, way to go, guys. Wow, way to go. Jesus, thank you so much for your redemption that's being poured out right now on these folks who are stepping across the line of faith in you. We celebrate that, Jesus. What a gift that you are to us. And Jesus, we want from our hearts to be people who tell your redemptive story so, so well, Jesus. We pray that you would use us that we'd have opportunity, that we'd serve our way into opportunities to share your redemptive story. And, and when we're in the moment, God, that you'd help us, give us the words and give us the clarity of thought and mind to reflect you so, so well to people around us, Jesus. May the power of your Holy Spirit indwell us that we live the story of the gospel and that we tell the story of the gospel, Jesus. Because that's what it's all about. You're what it's all about.